Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Three is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hey, how goes it? Welcome into the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. And greetings on a stormy Wednesday here from Studio B in New Orleans. The OTA schedule continues today for the New Orleans Saints, and uh, we continue today with a couple of different topics. College baseball back in our minds again uh, here today, LSU style. And then on the football side, we kind of are looking to add to your summer reading list, and we'll talk about that book in just a moment. But first, the Saints today back on the practice field. Day two of three here this week in OTAs. Tomorrow's OTAs will be available to the media, and so therefore we uh, at NewOrleansSaints.com will be there to cover it for you, and we'll look forward to uh, having some of that for you on Friday's black and blue report so again OTAs continue today and tomorrow close of the public this week uh, but media availability tomorrow we're looking forward to that hey congratulations to the Cleveland Cavaliers as they completed the sweep last night against a Hawks team that looked just flat out of gas banged up and 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 done so um, I don't I don't mean to take anything away from the Hawks by saying that they had a phenomenal season but uh, the Eastern Conference uh, finals uh, came to a I think a merciful end last night for Atlanta, and so the Cavaliers move on. And uh, this is a number that uh, is pretty amazing, and that is the fact that LeBron James now will compete in his fifth straight NBA Finals, and they get plenty of rest now uh, before the start of the NBA Finals on June the 4th. We'll uh, have a Finals preview for you, of course, next week here on the Black and Blue Report. Tonight it is a big game for the Houston Rockets as they look to stave off elimination again. The Warriors, meanwhile, would like to uh, end the Western Conference Finals and get set for a matchup with the Cavaliers. I I don't want to say it's a foregone conclusion that it's going to be Golden State, but, uh, again, just take a look at the record of teams that have gone down 3-0 and where things stand right now between the Warriors and the Rockets. All right, LSU baseball on our minds today. Ross Dellinger will join us from the Advocate He's in Baton Rouge and all set to cover the Tigers in their regional this weekend. We heard from Tulane yesterday, so LSU is our focus today, and then we'll let you enjoy the baseball weekend. Then as far as that summer reading list uh, idea goes, uh, there's a new book out. It's been out almost a month now. It's called Kelly Tough. It is, of course, the story of Jim Kelly 
and uh, his struggle and battle with cancer and survival. And uh, it is written from the uh, viewpoint of his daughter, Erin Kelly. And she is going to join us today and tell us all about uh, that process, uh, putting together that story and that book that she's uh, extremely proud of. I think that she'll be impressed with this uh, college student. (laughs) There you go. A college student who, um, with the help of her mother, has uh, been published now. And the book is out called Kelly Tough. We're going to take a quick break. And we'll talk about that book and then jump into LSU in just a moment. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion. It's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. At Smoothie King, we're so much more than just fruit and a blender. Because each and every Smoothie King smoothie is blended for a purpose. Whether you want to make it one more mile or simply make it through the day, we have a smoothie just for that. Bring us your purpose and we'll blend it. Looking to purify your diet? Hurry in now and try our new Nutty Super Grain Vegan Smoothie. Made with almond milk, Sun Warrior Protein, Super Grains, and a peanut taste you'll go nutty for. Only at Smoothie King, proud supporter of the New Orleans Pelicans. Smoothies with a purpose. I'm Chip Chapman, here on the street asking people what they would do with a $40 million Powerball jackpot from the Louisiana Lottery. I'd fly to Italy to go shoe shopping with my girlfriends. I'd invest it, of course. I could double that money in no time. And you, sir. I'd buy me a vacation home on my own private island in a new sports car and a golden hot tub. That's quite enough from you, sir. Play Powerball at any Louisiana Lottery retailer. Starting jackpot, $40 million. Must be at least 21 to purchase. Everything you need to know about the Saints and Pelicans is right here on the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back. We want to continue today with uh, what I think is one of the more um, inspiring stories, certainly in recent memory in the world of sports and, and, and in life for that matter. And that's, of course, the story of Jim Kelly, the former Buffalo Bills quarterback and NFL Hall of Famer who has uh, really uh, showed us all what it is to be tough and to uh, – Take the help and the love of those around him. And certainly when we talk about Kelly Tough, now we talk about a book as well. And we're so pleased to have Aaron and Kelly join us here on the Black and Blue Report. Aaron, good morning. So glad you could talk with us today. Good morning. I'm so happy to talk to you, too. How are you? Uh, we're doing great. We're doing great. I hope that Dad's doing well. Is that the case? Yes, he's doing very well, actually. He's just outside this morning at our house gardening and so he's gaining strength back gaining weight back and he's doing great gardening doesn't he want to do more fun things or is that like fun for him <laughs> yes first he goes hunting and then he'll come back into gardening <laughs> <laughs> all right fair enough um is the book out yet kelly tough i know that we've seen a lot of activity and talk about it can it can folks get their hands on it already Yes, the book came out May 1st, and we had our media launch on the Today Show on May 18th. So, yes, the book is out, and I'm just so excited for the whole process to unfold and for people to hopefully be encouraged through Kelly Tuff. Erin, who helped you with the book? My mom helped me write the book. We both um, just really went through this whole journey together. I was traveling back and forth from New York City 
um, I was going, I'm going to school in Lynchburg in, at Liberty University. And so I was traveling to be with my dad and my mom at the hospital in New York where he was getting treatment. And so we really walked this journey together. And so she helped me write it. And I really pretty much just poured out my heart. And she came alongside me and shared some of her own experiences too. When having been through this a little bit with my family, when, when you sit down to do something like this, uh, I, I get different answers from different families. Some say uh, that it was the most helpful and rewarding uh, process of their life, trying to put the story down on paper. And others say that it was one of the toughest things they've ever done. How was it for your family trying to tell the story into a book of what your father and your family went through? I would say it was a combination of both. You know, me writing everything down, putting my heart on paper, that's difficult knowing that the whole entire world can read that and can know the deep moments that I went through. And also it was difficult because it was as if I was living every moment over again. But at the same time, it was so rewarding because I was reminded of what God did through our pain. Did you learn something about the whole process? You know, as far I guess let me back up. In when you live a day to day, you think you know everything. You think you know every detail, every piece of the of the process. But then when you put it into a book, did you say, "Oh yeah, I didn't realize that's the way we felt," or "I didn't realize this would be the benefit of this step in the process"? What did you take away from it that maybe a reader would not? Right. Well, I personally just reliving those moments was not only hard, but it was also healing in a sense to be reminded, okay, yes, we walked through this, but God was in the midst of it. And knowing and writing down those deep moments that I have never shared before publicly, those were, it was hard to let that out. But through that, I took out of it the grace of God and his mercy and love in the midst of our circumstance. And that's something that the reader, they can get in their own story. But for me, it was personally because it was my story. But I believe that anyone can read through Kelly Tuff and see what I went through and what my family went through and still find hope for their own circumstance. Obviously, the story is about faith, toughness, perseverance, um, things that are part of every everybody's everyday life, especially for those families going through a battle with cancer or some other possibly terminal disease. But Aaron, when you when you when you look at Kelly Tuff, what what do you think will be gained by those who read the book that will be different or inspirational uh, and uniquely Jim Kelly's own? Right. Well, I think those who read the book that they can be and encouraged and inspired by what my dad went through, and that they can find hope and strength because I think that people who look at Kelly Tuff and look at our family, they remember, especially those who got to see him play, they remember the tough, strong Jim Kelly that was on the football field. But through this book, I think that they will see the physically weak Jim Kelly, but the strong Jim Kelly in, in faith and in hope and that in the midst of his circumstance, he sought the strength of God. Is the book in his words or your words or what's, what's the voice of the book? The book is in my own words. It's just me really sharing my heart. Mm-hmm. When, well, I mean, when you say that, though, 
is it is it just from the angle of you narrating us through the process, or is this a collection of observations? Um, I guess that's that's the uh, the the read I'm looking for. Yes, it's me um, narrating it, just saying it from my perspective, what I saw, what I went through, and there's journal entries in there from moments in time during the process of watching my dad go through cancer. So really, it's my words. What, how, do you start the, how do you start the book, Erin? I haven't been able to get my hands on it, so I'm curious as to what that first page is like. The, first, the book starts out with kind of background about where Kelly Tuff came from and about, about the Kelly family. It's called, the first chapter is called Growing Up Kelly. So I kind of take the reader through what it was like growing up the daughter of Jim Kelly. With regard to the outpouring of support for you, um, your family, and obviously your father, um, what shocked you the most? Shock in a good way, or I should maybe I use the word surprise you the most. I would say what surprised me the most in this whole process was the amazing amount of support from not only the Bills community, but the NFL community, people around the world. The New Orleans Saints actually sent a huge poster, all signed by all the players to my dad, saying that they were praying for him and everything. So that deeply touched our family, and that was the most surprising. Not because I knew that there were fans and that people would pray, but I didn't know the amount of support that would be rallied behind our family. Did you, you know, when you when you say growing up, Kelly, and I'm glad you brought up the Saints thing, because I know Coach Payton was passionate about making that project special and there um, in a timely manner. But Aaron, you know, you talk about growing up, Kelly. Did you did you have any realization as a child, or or you know now as a young adult, as to the reach that your father had across the league? No, I had no idea really until he was going through this battle. I knew that the Bills community had rallied behind him. Ever, I mean, we've lived in Buffalo all my life, mm-hmm. so I knew that the Bills community loved him and supported him. But I had no idea the amazing reach that our story was having and that people were looking to my dad and to the strength that he found in God in the midst of their own circumstance. And so I was just in, in shock and in awe of that. So now you're a published author, Aaron. Are you going to keep writing, or what's next for you? Yes, I plan to keep writing whatever God lays on my heart. If he, you know, if that is something that God puts into my life to do, I will continue to do that. But also, I'm a student at Liberty University. I'm going to be a junior this upcoming fall. So I'm not exactly sure what God has in store, but I'm excited. I'm glad you're open to that possibility because, I, quite frankly, um, I don't know too many juniors in college uh, doing what you're doing right now with this process. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> and I'm just honored and humbled for the opportunity to share and hopefully encourage others. All right. I, that's on my summer reading list. And I know others now hearing <laughs> you speak are intrigued by this. Where can folks get their hands on Kelly Tuff? They can get it at Barnes & Noble, Amazon. Um, my website, AaronMKelly.com, or Hunter's Hope's website, Hunter'sHope.org. So those are the main places you can find it. And also, I, it's at Walmart, too, I hear. Is there, did I read right, there's a portion of the proceeds going to continue different battles? Yes, the portion of the proceeds of Kelly Tuff go to Hunter's Hope, which is our family's foundation. Okay, okay, that's what I thought. Erin, um, our, our pleasure to have you, and uh, continued success. All the best to your family from all of us here at the New Orleans Saints. 
Thank you so much. God bless you guys. Thank you very much. Erin Kelly with us. The book again, Kelly Tough. And as she mentioned, it's available at numerous outlets. Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get texts with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelican Mobile Alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus, sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. Do you have all the right moves to be a member of the hottest dance team in the NBA? The Pelicans dance team is having open auditions for their 2015-16 squad, and you're invited to try out. Audition prep classes are starting soon, with open auditions happening Saturday, June 13th at the New Orleans Pelicans practice facility on Airline Drive in Metairie. Get details on these prep classes, open auditions, and full Pelicans dance team coverage now at pelicans.com. In New Orleans, our irrepressible spirit flows like the river through everything we do, especially when it comes to sports. Following the boys in black and gold or watching the Z's on Airline Highway, New Orleans redefines what it means to be a fan. And this year, we're flocking to the nest to watch our New Orleans Pelicans take flight. The Whitney is a proud supporter of the New Orleans Pelicans, a great team for a great city. Whitney Bank, member FDIC. Pelicans.com and NewOrleansSaints.com, your first stop when following your teams. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. As promised, we continue with some more college baseball this week as we get set for the big regional up in Baton Rouge. Yesterday, we touched upon uh, Tulane and the Green Wave making a return to the Baton Rouge Regional for the first time since 03, but here now hosting for the 23rd time in school history. The LSU Tigers will welcome in those four teams we uh, brought up yesterday. And to help us uh, look at things from the LSU perspective, and uh, he'll be there all weekend long on the LSU Tiger Beats, of course, football and baseball, too, is Ross Dellinger from The Advocate. Ross, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you very much. Um, this is interesting. As we get closer and closer, we still don't know who's going to pitch for LSU on Friday, do we? No, we don't. Uh, hopefully, uh, by Thursday, Paul Maneri, um plans to, to make an announcement of some sort, and I'm not sure it's really even going to matter who starts the game. Uh, LSU probably will um, uh, approach the game as if it's a midweek game, um, and it is probably similar competition to maybe some of the midweek uh, opponents LSU's had this year. And for those who don't know what that means, uh, as far as approaching a midweek game, uh, it's using about five to seven to eight pitchers none usually more than two innings. Uh, it's kind of a Jack staff type of thing, as Pulmonary likes to say. So, uh, again, you know, probably not going to matter too much uh, who starts, whoever it is. If they do approach it that way, we'll only go, you know, cut two or three innings. Um, it, it's possible that we could see Austin Bain start. He's kind of been the number three starter of the last month or so. So it's possible we could see him start, and in, in, in if he does good enough, we could see him go six, seven innings. Um, he's done that before this year, but LSU's really struggled with their number three starter. And uh, so it, it, I think it was a surprise to some that uh, Paul Maneri setting his best two pitchers, uh, you know, 
uh, for beyond that that first game um, because you know the number three role has struggled so much. But I think Lehigh presents uh, doesn't present too many problems, and he knows you know LSU's offense, which ranks yeah, as far as batting average third in the nation, uh, is probably going to be more than enough going to produce more than enough runs to to back whoever it is on the mound. So he's saving the. Jared Poche and Alex Lang for later, and, and uh, we'll see uh, Jack Holstaff or maybe an Austin Bain uh, come out there and pitch uh, Friday. Ross, you wrote about that, I think, this morning in The Advocate. Uh, it does raise some concerns, I think, for things past Friday. Um, this uh, lack of a third starter, does that, does that sound the alarm as far as, let's say, they get to a Super Regional and then up, up top to Omaha? Does, does that, is that the Achilles heel of this team right now, even though they're the number two overall seed? Yeah, I know. You know, this, this team has been so dominant all year. I mean, 10, 10 total losses and an SEC regular season title and number two overall national seed. But, you know, we, we, we look at things, weaknesses. You know, we always look at weaknesses, especially for a team that's so good. And the weakness certainly is, yes, you know, the number, you know, not a, not a great number three starter uh, situation. And really, in a way, not a great number two starter. You know, Jared Prochet has struggled, really. Um, he's had some hiccups this season. He's he's a competitive guy, though. You know, he goes out there and he, he's good enough, you know, for LSU. But, but he has had some struggles, too. I mean, you look at the bullpen, which has been mostly solid. Uh, but but every now and then, they've, they've kind of gave away a game. And, and um, they did that again, uh, in part. Uh, against Florida. Uh, so if you had to point to one weakness, you know, you can either say the, the late inning, you know, bullpen. Uh, LSU's blown about seven saves this year overall, six or seven saves. And then, you know, that number three starting spot, if you, if you had to find a weakness, it would probably be there. Um, I, I don't expect, certainly the number three starting spot, I don't expect it to have much effect on LSU after the regional. The thing about the regional is you, you have to win three games um, in, in a span of, you know, four or five days or whatever. Um, so the number three starter comes into play big time. Um, but when you get to the super regional, if you do win the first two games, you won't have to win a third game. So you just really have to win two games. And then in Omaha, if you don't lose, and again, this is all contingent, of course, on LSU not losing with Lang or Poche pitching. But if you don't lose, you don't have to use a third starter, really. Uh, just that's spaced out. So the regionals, just like last year with, with an LSU team, also they didn't have a third starter uh, last season. The regionals is a big hurdle. Uh, can this team get away um, with not having a number three starter in, in, you know, in the regionals? And they, they couldn't do that last year, as you remember. Um, you know, LSU saved ace Aaron Nola for game two as they're doing laying, but they – they, they didn't have – I think Pulmonary had enough confidence in his bats to save Jared Poche, the number two pitcher last year, just like this season. Uh, so they pitched him against Southeastern Louisiana in that first game, and then they were left with the number three starter, Kyle Bowman, starting the regional title. And he actually did pretty well, but the bullpen came in and uh, just allowed a few runs. And LSU ended up, of course, getting dominated in that last – uh, that last game, the, the elimination regional championship game on Monday. So that that not having a third starter kind of kind of came back to, or a fourth starter too, kind of came back to to bite them last season. Um, so the big question this year: Can they just get past that regional, and then at that point, you know, Poche and Lang does well enough, and LSU's bats 
are good enough, they don't need a number three starter the rest of the way. Yeah, I think you make a great point. Ross Dellinger with us here from The Advocate. Hey, Ross, I, we started, I don't know why, but we started with really the question marks about this team. Look, there are a lot of sure things. It, this is a really good college baseball team heading into the postseason. So I don't want to get lost in the weeds on some of the questions. Maybe we should probably touch on some of the strengths that have them near the top of the national seeds and certainly in the conversation to not only do well this weekend but beyond. Yeah, they're, they're, they are. They're, they're a, as Alex Bregman called them a couple of days ago, they are a, com, a, a pretty complete team, you know. Um, they, they, the lineup is um, – there's no real, um, you know, let up in that lineup for a pitcher, for a starting pitcher. Uh, you've got home run hitters. You've got um, uh, just consistent opposite field guys. You've got, guys, you know, several guys who can – lay a bunt down uh it's really from top to bottom a, a great line i mean think of you know the nine hole here jared foster has, has nine home runs so it's a um it's a it's a really solid group and and so um then you look at speed and they've got that you know around the bases they're one of the nation's leader in stolen bases and led the sec in stolen bases i think for much of this season very very fast team uh, about five I would say five, four or five of the of the eight everyday players has pretty serious speed, um, and then you look at defense, and they've been they've I think they were they finished third in the SEC with a non seven seven fielding percentage, really really outstanding outfield, very fast, and in the interior of that defense, Jared Foster and Alex Bregman, Connor Hale over there at third base, three of the best, uh, you know I mean um, you know Connor Hale and, and Alex Bregman made all SEC first team and. And center fielder um, Andrew Steven and all SEC first team, and then Kate Savick, the, the catcher uh, from from uh, Maripaw, the, the little town down there uh, on the bayou. He, he went to JUCO route. Really a great story. Um, the kid's an all SEC first teamer. Uh, really great behind the plate. And then of course last you come to pitching, you know. And and we just talked about it. There are some some uh, low spots there. You know, the number two starter Jared Crochet's had some hiccups. There's not really necessarily a number three starter in the bullpen while it has some some decent guys you kind of never know they've blown a, a good bit of saves this year uh but but they've got a good ace in alex lang and they've got a good enough number two starting pitcher with this offense so they are a a, a very good baseball team there's a reason they're the consensus top ranked team in the nation the last month or so uh and um now it's now it's time for kind of this this really memorable season that they've had, you know, 48 and 10 uh, overall record, SEC regular season championship, SEC West championship. They won nine of 10 regular season SEC series. Now it's time to kind of forget that part of it and, and focus on, on the playoffs. Let me ask you this, or let me propose this. Let me just say this, I should say. <laughs> uh Ross, everybody wants to see Tulane and LSU play each other on Saturday. Uh, is that easily done? Is where we're heading with this regional? You know, I haven't looked too much. I mean, I know uh, enough about Tulane, but I haven't looked uh, at UNC Wilmington too much as a two seed. I I can't imagine that they are um, one of the strongest two seeds in the field. I, I'm I'm sure they're not. I would imagine that they are on the lower side of the two seed, just like Tulane as a three seed. I mean, when LSU's a, a national number two seed, they're going to get, you know, 
one of the worst twos, one of the worst threes, and probably one of the worst fours in the field. And, and I think we'll, we'll probably see that. So, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sure, very, very sure that, that, that Tulane can win that game, you know, uh, that, that opener. And then, yeah, then it, it um, you know, if LSU, if LSU's offense, you would think, you know, can score four or five runs against Lehigh, uh, they should move through, you know, pretty easily. Um, and then you, you got yeah, you're set up with what, what will be really uh, it almost gives you chills. I mean I'm not even from around here and just the way people talk about that rivalry, uh, it almost gives you gives you chills. You know Saturday night, eight o'clock as a box, ten thousand plus people, probably more like eleven thousand plus. Um, you know with a, a playoff game, not an elimination game, but the game of the regional. You know the key game of the regional there, the winner bracket final. Um, it would be it would be something it would be crazy as Jared Foster down here the second baseman at LSU said uh, the the place would be rocking. No doubt, no doubt. Well, I hope that you stay dry, um, and I hope that Friday goes off without a hitch because that will also factor into that pitching conversation we talked about. But Ross, have a great weekend. We'll look for your coverage as always on the Advocate. Party, thank y'all. Yep, Ross Dellinger with us from the Advocate. He covers the LSU Tigers, not only just football but baseball too, and he is teed up and ready to go for this weekend. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. For 27 years, locally owned A-Confidential Transportation has provided New Orleans with premium transportation services. The modern fleet of A-Confidential sedans, SUVs, limousines, limo buses, and vans are operated by fully licensed and insured chauffeurs. Whether you need to transport corporate clients or you're headed to a special event, let A-Confidential get you safely there on time with affordable pricing. Call 504-712-1700 to book your A-Confidential Transportation today. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Hey, can you believe it? Wednesday's already done. I guess that short week here on the holiday week is uh, is making things move rather quickly. That means next up, the Thursday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Tomorrow we'll be busy here on campus, of course, uh, covering the Saints in their final day of uh, activity this week. And then we'll bring you some coverage on Friday. But tomorrow's show, we'll uh, talk to Juan Kincaid, now of Fox 8 here in New Orleans. We'll uh, check in with him, see how things have uh, transitioned from his Channel 4 days, and also get his thoughts on Saints and their storylines moving in and through OTAs here. We'll uh, discuss the Western Conference uh, playoff series. It could be done by tomorrow morning, but uh, we're efforting to have somebody on to tell us all about that series and preview the Western side of things heading into next week's NBA Finals. You all have a great rest of your Wednesday, and we'll see you right back here tomorrow on the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, the Black and Blue Report. I'm Sean Kelly. So long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.